Charles Feinberg, a noted Christian scholar, writes, Over a quarter century ago, a Russian Jew of great learning named Joseph Rabinowitz was sent to Palestine by the Jews to buy land for them. He went to Jerusalem, and one day he went up to the Mount of Olives to rest, and someone told him to take a New Testament as the best guidebook about Jerusalem. The Christ he had known was the Christ of the Greek and the Roman churches who were, the, who were his persecutors and the persecutors of his people. But as he read the New Testament, he became acquainted with the real Christ of whom the Old Testament scriptures foretold and his, his heart grew warm. And as he looked off towards Calvary and he thought, why is it that my people are persecuted and cast off? And his conviction gave him the answer. It must be because we have put to death our Messiah. And as he lifted his eyes to that Messiah, he said, My Lord, my God. And he came down from that mount, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went home to Russia, erected a synagogue for the Jews. Over the door which he wrote, let all the house of Israel know that the God hath made Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. I want to greet you this morning in Jesus' name I want and uh, welcome you to this part of the service. And today in our study, we are going to turn our attention again to the Jew. We're going to be teaching you some things which you already know, and I'm going to be teaching you a few things that you will probably stretch your faith or, or take you a little bit where you haven't gone before. But as we consider the Jew, there is no group that has been hated more, persecuted, hunted, and slaughtered as the Jew. You know, even in our adult Sunday school class, the book of Esther, we see again another attempt to annihilate the Jews. Yet, no group has affected our world more than the Jew. The reason is simple, and that is because they are a chosen people, chosen by God himself. And you can't miss some of the unique qualities that the Jews uh, you see in the Jews. They are the only people who have a genealogy which they can trace from generation to generation for thousands of years back to Abraham. It is also because of the Jew that you and I enjoy one of the most impeccable and significant works that were ever written that has been hand carefully hand-copied and preserved. We know it today as the Scriptures. It's because of the Jew. It is also because of the Jew, more specifically the tribe of Judah, that you and I have come to know the most significant person that has ever walked this earth, we know him as Jesus, the king of the Jews. That king, the king of the Jews, took 12 men, 12 misfits, and he forever altered the course of history. And it, upon him was built the church. But the question lingers, as you look around this morning, even in this church house, Where's the Jew? What about God's chosen people? They're conspicuously absent 
from the kingdom of God for the most part. Is God finished with them? Or is there just a temporary interlude with much more to come? So if you have your Bibles turned to Romans 11, or you're welcome to follow on the PowerPoint. But as we do so, I want to remind you of a few truths that we have learned in our journey thus far, and they're important. In Romans 9, we have learned, we saw God's election at work. That unseen yet predetermined will of God. And it was, uh, it was as though that moment God allowed us to look through his glasses and see a perspective, see things from his perspective. That God works his will, a predetermined will, he is sovereign, and the things that he determines will come to pass. And then in chapter 10, that's the vertical view, in chapter 10, we see the horizontal view of things. And it's, you know, it's a great moment to reinforce and reaffirm the importance of faith. In Hebrews 11, it says, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He doesn't say it's, it's hard to please him without faith or it's really, really hard to please God without faith. He says it's impossible. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Well, it's through faith that you and I are given by God the very things that are absolutely essential to have a relationship with God. We are given his righteousness, his life, his spirit, his mercy, his grace, his power, all of those things come to us through faith. Think of faith as an open hand. You and I, it is absolutely impossible to ever have a relationship with God without faith. It can't be done. Therefore, it's impossible we ever please him. Impossible. That's why faith is so essential and that Israel was rejected because they chose not to receive, uh, to believe on the Christ. Now, is God, the question we're going to be thinking about, is God finished with Israel forever? Has he forever rejected Israel or are they just temporarily set aside? We're going to find out, we're going to see in the scriptures today, there's an answer to that. So as we step into chapter uh, ch Romans chapter 11, verse 1, it says, I say then, Paul asking the question, has God cast away his people? In other words, permanently, has God put them away permanently? And he answers the question, God forbid. It's in the emphatic, it's an emphatic negative. Uh, May it never be. Uh, some paraphrase have put it impossible. Now when Paul uses that word his people, there needs to be some clarity on that. There are certainly those of you sitting here today who claim to be 
the people of God, right? And it's true. If you've received Christ, you are his people. But in this context, if you look back to verse 21 of the, former, of, of the prior chapter, you're going to see that Paul is talking about national Israel. He's talking about the nation of Israel or the Jew. And for a moment, let me draw for you in your minds a word picture. Think of the nation of Israel as a big circle. And within that, in that big circle is the nation of Israel. And within that big circle is a small circle. And that small circle we're going to see from verse 5 is a remnant of believing Jews. There is a remnant. Now, when Paul, the other thing that needs to be clarified is when Paul uses the words cast off, it means rejected. Are the Jews forever rejected and cast off because of their rejection of Christ? And, said, and Paul again says impossible. There will be a time when God completes the promises that he has given to Abraham and to national Israel. And we're going to see why. They are momentarily set aside. So what is the evidence that God has simply for a time set apart the Jew? Well, it's kind of a tricky question. It's a little like asking President Obama, are you going to make a response to the chemical attacks in Syria? And he says, yes. And you know, in a look of bewilderment, you say, well, but yes, what? What response? You know, we can be eternally grateful that God gives us more clarity in the scriptures than the politics of our day. Um, so God is going to give us proof of his faithfulness and that he has only temporarily set aside the Jew. The first proof we find is in verse 1, and it's Paul himself. Notice what Paul says. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul is, is, uh, has a direct link. If God would have rejected, cast off all the Jews, you and I wouldn't be reading Romans today. If God had rejected all the Jews permanently, there would be no Paul. So the first evidence that God has only temporarily set them aside is Paul himself. He's a believing Jew whom God has, is using a remnant and that he has not forever cast off the Jew. The second proof is in verse 2. Um, I think I've got ahead of myself here.
Oh, first of all, we need to understand that the Jew, that the real Jew is the one who is the one is not just the one who is one outwardly. outwardly. Paul in, in chapter nine verse six, we are told that the real Jew is the one. Uh, in verse two, it says who in, in Romans two, I think it says is the one who has had the circumcision of the heart. Not everyone who has a lineage to Abraham is real is a real Jew. So there's the tribe. So this and the second truth, uh, the second proof is this. I did this. I did this PowerPoint fairly early in the morning, and so uh, <laughs> fairly early this morning. So I'm not quite sure this is all right. I thought I had it right. It is. Romans two is the verse that I just gave you. And it, and, it, and, it, and it shows you that, yeah, that the real Jew is the one who is the circumcision of the heart. Now, so the first proof is the temporary setting aside is Paul himself. The second proof is that God is working out an unchanging plan. As concerning the gospel... In verse 29, verse 28 and 29 of this chapter, if you look at your Bibles, you're going to see, it says, they are enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, notice what it says, they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. It means it's irrevocable. Today in our day, when people set up their estates, there are two kinds of trusts that get set up. There are there is that revocable trust that you can set up. There is also an irrevocable trust that you can set up. In a revocable trust, if you have a, a, an heir that upsets you, you can do a, a week later. You can go back to that trust and you can change it. You can remove that heir, and you can do whatever you want. In an irrevocable trust, once it's made, it cannot be changed. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. One of the proofs that the Jew is only temporarily set aside is that God has set forth an unchanging plan. It is irrevocable. God's plan does not change. Um, if you notice what it says, hath God away, cast away his people permanently? The answer is no. Absolutely not. Now, in, pass in, in, in verses 2 through 4, in verses 2 through 4 has to do with the, the passage in 1 Kings, and it has to do with Elijah. And Elijah 18, uh, Elijah 19 comes after Elijah, uh, 1 Kings 19 comes after 1 Kings 18. And it has to do with that, that uh, when Elijah had a mountaintop experience. If you recall the story, Elijah challenges the, the prophets of Baal to a contest. He assembles all of Israel, and he has two altars upon which are laid two bulls. And the contest is very simple. The one who 
brings fire from heaven first. The God who answers with fire first is the God to be served. And of course, the prophets of Baal, they go at it. Uh, and finally, nothing is happening, and Elijah just starts mocking him. He said, well, maybe your God's on a journey, or you know, maybe he's asleep, and you just need to get louder about this whole thing. And so they, 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 they rant louder. They start cutting themselves, and nothing is happening. And so after, after, toward the evening, they stop. Elijah has them take and around his altar, dig a trench. And then he asks them to take water, not once, not twice, but three times, and pour water on his, on his sacrifice. In fact, it's so much water that even the trench is now filled with water. And he calls out to the living God, and fire comes down from heaven, it consumes not only the sacrifice, it consumes the altar, and it even consumes the water in the trench. And then Elijah tells the people of Israel to grab the prophets of Baal. I think there was, some, I think there was a neighborhood of 850 prophets. And he tells them to kill them. He, he kills all the prophets of Baal. Now in those days... Jezebel ran Israel, and King, and King Ahab occasionally got to some of the little bit of the time. But Jezebel was really running the show on this thing. And when she finds out that Elijah has slain her prophets, she gets, sends a message out to Elijah and says, I'm going to do unto you as you've done to the prophets. And so Elijah runs for his life, slinks off into the wilderness. He's so far into the wilderness, and he's feeling really lonely. And what happens when we're alone, start feeling sorry for ourselves, we tend to have this little party. And Elijah, you can read from uh, uh, verse 3 there what Elijah was starting to say, having his little party. He's saying, Lord, they've, they've killed, killed all your prophets. <laughs> and they've, they've They've, du they've dug down all these, you know, they've destroyed your altars. And he's weeping. He said, and they seek my life. And, and they said, Lord, just, just take my life. You know, I'm the only one that's left. You can almost hear this, <laughs> the pity he has. You know what God tells him? I got 7,000 men who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. There's 7,001 of you. They're still going strong for me. There's a remnant. I always have a remnant that is faithful. My election is at work. Why is that illustration so important? You know why? Look at verse 5. Even so at this present time there is also a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace there are no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. For if it be works, then it is no more grace. God is saying, even now, in this present time, in Israel, I have his remnant who is faithful. We look around and we say, well, Israel's just missing it, you know? God's saying, no. There's a present, even now, there's a present remnant who's believing, of which Paul was just one of. 
there's always going to be a remnant that God preserves by his grace that will follow God and be faithful. Um, now, before we move on, you see, the nation of Israel has been set aside, and there's some a lot of teaching out there. You're going, you've come, in, and there's some of this is you've come in contact through the years. The, since they've been set aside, there's those who are teaching others have taken the place of Israel. There are those who are teaching the Anglo-Saxons are now taking the place of the nation Israel and have our heir to their blessings and the promises. There are those who have taught the church has taken the place of Israel. And the church has now become heir to the promises God has made to Israel. I want you to get this really, really, so I'm going to slow, I'm going to say it slow and I'm going to say it carefully. It's all a lie and don't buy it. You absolutely cannot get to that point and be honest with these kinds of scriptures. The church has not taken the place of Israel. God has temporarily set them aside. And uh, there is going to be a time when there is a restoration coming. Now before, you mo- before we move on, I want you to hear this o- article that I came across The people of Israel sense their growing isolation. They feel friendless in an ocean of hostile Arabs. Only in the United States remain, only the United States remains as a friend to be counted on in time of need. However, there are alarming sounds coming from some quarters of the U.S. Some powerful forces in our country are seriously questioning why supporting Israel is in our best strategic interest. In the United States, there are two major forces that are pushing for the support of Israel. One is the Jewish population, and the other is the evangelical believer in Jesus Christ. And then the writer quotes the Jewish, the founder of the Jewish Defense League, and she says, Israel has within the United States a weapon it itself believes in and can convince others that the U.S. true interest is total and unconditional backing for the Jewish state. And then she says, I refer to the tens of fundamentalists and evangelical Christian sects whose members number in the millions and whose leaders have national and international prestige and and influence. Billy Graham being just the most obvious example. Here we have the nation of Israel who's saying, you know what? We know there's a group that we can count on to be in our corner. And that's the Christian, the believer. Isn't that amazing? There is the third proof of that temporary setting aside of Israel, and it's found in verses 7 through 10. And that is, there's the spiritual hardening of Israel. And uh, God, there's the discipline that God is bringing about. In, in verses 7 through 10, it says, What then hath Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Verse 8, according to as it is written, God hath given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that should not see, ears that they should not hear, unto this day. 
Verse 9, And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Verse 10, Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back all way. You know, let us not forget that in chapter 10, we learned that because Israel rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ rejected Israel. They chose. They hardened their hearts. And here we see one of the greatest mysteries of Scripture. We see the election of God and the free will of man working side by side. In other words, they hardened the Jewish nation, Israel, hardened their heart. And you know what God did? He hardened it further. His predetermined will and the free will of man working side by side. I can't explain to you why it works like that. But in Psalms, he's quoting, Paul is quoting from Psalm 69. He's talking about a table. At a table, you and I find sustenance, fellowship, and relationship. But because of unbelief, the table where they would have found relationship with God, where they would have found peace with God, power of God, now becomes poisonous. Notice what it says. The table becomes a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, a recompense. It means a payback. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and their back always bent. You see, when you harden your heart towards God, God has the option in his sovereignty to take your heart and harden it so much even further. That's what he did with the Jew. You see how it's working? They hardened their heart and God said, all right, let me show you what this hardening is all about. And he hardens the heart even. But in the midst of that, God is working out his will. I can't, I, I don't understand how that works. I can only tell you he does it. Now, we're going to see why God, what the plan of all of this was. He un, kind, kind of unfolds it in verses 11 through 14. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall, meaning being permanently out? God forbid. Again, this is twice he tells us they are not permanently set aside. But rather their fall, through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, that they might save some of them. When God, when, when God says, I say then have they, meaning the, the, the nation of Israel, meaning stumble that they should fall, meaning this is just a temporary setting aside. Paul, again, is emphatic. He's saying impossible that they be forever cast off. 
Now, these verses 12 through 14, let me this morning just take, give you one illustration just to, to make this really simple for you to understand. I want you to imagine a Jewish restaurant. And this, this Jewish restaurant is a fine place. And in walk into this restaurant, a group of Jews. And the patron, or the owner of this restaurant, lays out, because he, 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 wants, he wants the best for his patron, he lays out the finest before this group of Jews. I mean, it's its best. Prime rib is made just the way you like it. It's a feast. And, uh, but these Jews, as they look at it, one by one, they, they turn their nose up to it and say, you know, if we could have done better ourselves. They reject it. And they walk out. Behind the restaurant is a group of wild dogs. Being close to quitting time, the owner takes this feast and takes it to a back room and he opens the door and he lets these wild dogs come in and have a feast. I'll shoot it to you really straight this morning. You and I were the Gentile dogs got to eat a, ro- got to eat a Jewish feast. You and I got to, s- got to eat the finest, the best that God had That was his son. And through him, we received life, peace, security, acceptance, power that was meant for the Jews. And it was all through election and grace. It was all through the sovereign plan of God. There isn't one of us that deserved it. There's one of us that deserves to be sitting here this morning. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. And there's no way you and I could ever pay for it. Now, we need to consider the question of verse 12. If the fall of them, meaning the Jewish nation, that temporary setting aside meant riches for the whole world and if the diminishing of them meant riches for the Gentiles, how much more, notice this, notice the question, how much more their fullness? If their falling away brought us salvation, brought us security, brought us peace, what's it going to mean to us when they're restored. Let me tell you what it's going to mean to us. It's going to be in the future. The Jews are going to occupy all the land that God has promised. Jesus is going to rule from the throne in Jerusalem, literally, on this earth. All the nations are going to go to Jerusalem to worship. There is going to be a righteous government for over a thousand years, for a thousand years. Not over a thousand years. And in that time, Satan will be bound. There is going to be absolutely no corruption in this government. There's going to be perfect righteousness. 
there's going to be a transformation on this earth and in the animal kingdom during this time. We're going to see that it says in Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 65, you'll read it for yourselves, you're going to see that the wolf, the leopard, the bear, they will lay with the lamb. You're going to see that the snake is now going to eat the serpent. He's going to eat dirt. Children are going to play with scorpions. There's going to be no pollution. No ecological disasters. The tree huggers are going to have to get jobs. We're not going to be reading about global warming. And most of all, Israel is going to experience every last promise that God has, God has promised them. They'll see it fulfilled. Two thoughts. First is God works out his will through a believing remnant. Don't forget that. You know, life can be tough. The things we go through can be hard. I sat down last night with a young man. He's 24. He's single. And I could tell by the way he talked, he feels alone. He's born again, shared his faith with me. He says, it's hard to find people my age who want to live the way I do and have the values that I do. You'd think he probably comes from a great family, right? No. His mom and, mom and dad divorced when he was, what, one or two. His real dad, is ne he said, my real dad has never been there for me and the strategic times in life when I really needed him. He's never been there. It's good for me to remind you, you're not alone in those times. There's a remnant that's faithful. That God is, God is keeping with his power and by his grace. There's a second thought I want you to have. And that is God is faithful. We live in a world where promises are just meant to be broken. Promises are good talk. But not with God. God keeps every promise he makes. He's 100% faithful. He always delivers. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you again for reminding us through the nation of Israel the importance of walking in faith. And Lord, thank you again for also that for reminding us your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to the children of men. And then reminding us the importance of, our, of us walking in faith as well. That how that you, by your power, will continue by sovereignly and through election and grace keep the remnant. And Lord, thank you for reminding us that in the future you've got some wonderful plans ahead yet. 
amazing plans of what you're going to do. And now, Lord, this morning, we will pray that as we would go forth, we would certainly give us the power to present your gospel. Be faithful in, in, in sharing it with others. And uh, just be faithful in, in, in each, part of, each part of our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.